weeks ago, I was just talking to you about the Holy Spirit, about how much God loves us. You remember that? Yeah, you remember that John 3.16, for God so loved the world? Guess who makes it the world? You and me. God so loved the people of this world that he gave his son, Jesus, for us. It's so true that it's even up on the screen. God really, truly loves us. And you remember that Psalm 96, 2 and 3 says, Declare God's glory among all the nations. And we learned that that word nations is all about the, the ethnic linguistic groups of, of planet Earth, not the political things. God loves people everywhere. That means we're somewhere, and this is part of everywhere. And that means he loves us. That's good. We saw that not only did God sent his son to die for our sins, for all the people of the world, but through Jesus he promised to get us, his people, with power to tell others about the forgiveness of sins through Jesus. He wants to help us do what others did for us. Wasn't there a bunch of people that helped you come to find Jesus? There was probably some people praying for you, weren't there? There's some people to talk to. Maybe some people wrote some literature that you read. Maybe there were some uh, Christians who, who gave messages and you heard them. Maybe there were some Bibles that people that left them. I don't know what your process or story was. But probably a whole group of people were involved in God loving you into the kingdom. And God's into the business of using us and what we receive to give the ministry he's given to us away to others. He's all about sharing, just like our mom's talk. Jesus told the first followers to wait until they've been clothed with power from on high, so they can be as witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1, verse 8. Hey, did you enjoy the traveling team last week? No. Was that powerful to see that it's always been God's plan to bless his people so that they can bless others? That is what we have as a plan. That is who we serve as a God. He is a blesser. So we get to be blessers. We get to be those who receive the blessing and those who pass it on. Yeah. They taught us that it's always been God's plan to love everybody. We are to join in that plan. They taught us about the 1040 window and that there's uh, people that have very little chance to hear about Jesus. Didn't that stir your heart? Make you think like, I should at least pray for the people in that 1040 window and I should maybe give, you know, money to help missionaries go there and maybe I should even consider going. Yeah, what a powerful time that was. So I want to ask you, has the love and the glory of God been communicated to the ends of the earth fully? Not yet. Not everybody's had a chance to hear the good news about Jesus. What's God's plan to take care of this problem that everybody hasn't heard? Well, it's the same that it's always been. He's going to ask his people to tell the story of his love that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Wherever we go, and he's going to call us to make sure that we get some people over into that 1040 window or wherever on the planet there are people who haven't heard about Jesus. 
May I ask why you sent me? Well, Cornelius the centurion answered three days ago. I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. Whenever you read about men in shining clothes in the Bible, who are they? They're an angel. So it looks like men, but they're all shiny. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a chopper for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Thank you. Now we're all here in the presence of God. We are here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Wow. God so orchestrated this vision in Peter's life that he would agree to go with some Gentiles all the way out to Joppa from where he was to talk to them about Jesus. And God had so orchestrated in Cornelius' life that he'd have a vision and he'd know who to send for who could tell him the gospel message. Does that sound supernatural? God loved these people so much, he says, I know how to get this done. I know who knows the gospel, I know who needs the gospel, and I'm going to bring them together. You had some good experiences this last week seeing God bring you together with some people that need the love and the message of God. Ooh. God really loves us. He loves every single person. Is it possible that our Lord knows exactly how to bring students together on our campus that he wants to meet? Could he actually do that every day if we were willing? Would he know how to do that? Does he know what's going on in everybody's heart? Yes. Does he know who's ready to have a new friend? Yes. Does he know who's willing to be invited to a court group and they'll come? Yes. Does he know who will be willing to come to Kyle's when invited? Yes. Does he know who can do some inviting? Yes. It's you. May we just need to open ourselves up to this divine orchestration. We need to hear the music of God playing. Our stereotypes and our racism 
and our religiosity and our fear. He knows how. Is it possible that he could use you and me and us? Yes. Yeah, it's really possible. Why do you say more like it's probable? Why do you think he's having me say all this? that direction. God has plans to make himself known through you and I. It's a simple thing for him to cause us to meet people, to make friends, and tell them the story about Jesus and include them in our social circle. I want you to notice uh, something that you may not often think about. What is verse 33 saying? I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come, that we are here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has, uh, has um, commanded you to tell us. Friends, God's presence is already with all of the non-Christians on this campus. Just like he was with you, working to bring you into his God is with every non-believer on this campus, working in their lives already. His presence is everywhere working. Just like in Cornelius' life and all his friends and family and always some soldiers gathered together. The presence of God is with people. Don't think that this is such a hard job. The presence of God is with you. The presence of God is with them. God has already been doing his work to get them interested in him. All we have to do is tell them what Jesus has done on that cross. How he hung them and bore their sins and our sins if we need to be forgiven. I tell you a story of one time when God let me Okay, so I had this hunch that I should go on a mission trip to Kenya. And so I rounded up two of the students here, and my wife and two of my boys, and we went. And we were there, and our supposed mission was to talk to the university students in a group called The Journey at the University of Nairobi and at uh, Jomo Kenyatta University. And while we were there, we meet this group of Christians staying in our res hall where we were staying, and they were ministering in the, the Mathari slum. And God kept telling me, Michael, you need to get out of the slum. I said, that's not on our itinerary, God. <laughs> this is not according to the plan. I don't see it on my schedule. Do you see it, God? Uh, I do, Michael. <laughs> really? You see that day right there? All that free time? You mean my day off? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly the day that you should go to the slum, Michael. Okay, so I talked to my wife, I talked to my sons, I talked to my two students, and said, these guys are always going out to the Thari slums and ministry to people. Michael, oh, yes. We followed them down one day, and they, they introduced us to the ministry that they were working with, a mission called Hope. That's a great title. 
you guys just need to take about 20 minutes explaining how filthy and democratization of this slum, but I won't. Just imagine this. Just imagine the smell right now. Okay? And God led us on this program called Bring the Light. They had previously gone around to all the, the little shacks uh, mm-hmm. and said, hey, would you like us to cut a hole in your roof and put uh, plexiglass on it so some light comes into your shack? And people were delighted. And then they'd come back and talk to the nurse and say, hey, remember we brought some light? Yeah? Well, can we tell you about the light of the whole world? Okay. And then they tell them about Jesus. So now we were following up one family that they'd already done that to. And we go in and we meet um, the mother of the house. She uh, was the mother of four kids and she was taking care of five others of her deceased sister. And uh, she had a husband, luckily, but he was not working. And uh, luckily there's only one baby there crying. So it's great. And so through an interpreter, I got to share the gospel message with her. Because she only spoke Swahili and I didn't. And that was powerful because Grace decided that she was going to follow Jesus back. All because God orchestrated that we should go and the Lord spoke. Isn't that amazing how God can come in? Even when it's not on our itinerary. Wink, wink. God has a lot of stuff for us to do if we might just listen to the music he's playing in our head saying, join in. This is your part. He gives us the cue. Okay. And it gets kind of fun after a while. You see, God caused me to pray that somebody come to Christ before I went to Kenya. God prompted our team to go into the slums, so we did. God put this ministry team in our residence also. We know where to go to the slums. We joined them that one day. I told this lady named Grace about Jesus. She prayed to give her life to Jesus because God is a great orchestrator. Does this give you some hope and encouragement? God knows what he's doing with you as you're stumbling and fumbling and trying to help people know Jesus. He's just really good at it. I think we can trust him. God is a God who loves the people of this planet so much. He orchestrates relationships so that people can hear what Jesus has done for them, so that they can believe. Hey, what gospel message does Peter tell these folks that gathered at Cornelius' house? Let's have a look in Acts chapter 10. We're still there, verses 44 through 48. So skip down the page a little bit. No, don't skip down the page, Michael. It should be something like 34 to 48, sorry. Peter began to speak. Because I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. How would you have underlined that in your Bible? God does not show favoritism. But accepts from every ethnic linguistic group the one who fears him and does what is right. Uh, the technical term fear in the Bible simply means enters into a covenant relationship with one and worships them. You know the message God sent the people of Israel. Now this is the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. 
John the Baptist. How God anointed Jesus, who happened to be from Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did. The country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead. On the third day, and he caused Jesus to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by the witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us. Peter's saying us. He was one of them. Who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He wasn't a ghost. He could eat and drink. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he was the one who God appointed as the judge of the living and the dead. Who will judge you? Who will judge me when we die? The one who died. Wow. All the prophets, that like, that'd be like the Old Testament, all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Boy, this is a great gospel summary. Check it out if you're wondering what to tell your friends about Jesus. It is all lined out for us right here. Just get to know this text. And God, God does not show favoritism, people. He loves you with all of his heart. He doesn't play favorites. He loves you. He doesn't have another favorite. You are his favorite. That's what lacking favoritism means. We are all. We love the person next to you with all of us. He loves that person with all of his heart. He loves every single man, every single woman. And even baby win. <laughs> and all the other children on planet Earth. He loves them exactly the same way. God's a lover. God is a lover. You are the object of his affection. Is that amazing? He cares so much about you. And everyone else. Everybody on this planet. Yeah. If you're Japanese, he loves you. If you're Saudi, he loves you. If you're South Korean, he loves you. If you're Chinese, he loves you. If you're Norwegian, he loves you. If you're Spanish, he loves you. If you're Guatemalan, <laughs> he loves you. <laughs> he loves everybody. It doesn't matter where you're from. Did we have a choice where we were born? Did our parents were no, he just loves everybody. Yeah. Look at that verse 36. What does it say? We have peace with God through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We don't have to worry about meeting God. We already have peace with him if we trusted in Jesus and have our sins forgiven. <laughs> Fantastic news. What does it say in verse 42? That Jesus is the judge. Another reference back to Daniel 7, 13 and 14 about the Son of Man who will have the eternal kingdom and dominion over all the people. 
Who is the one who has dominion over all the earth? It is Jesus who will be our judge, our leader. Our the entire Bible, verse 43 says, explains that everyone who chooses to believe in Jesus receives the forgiveness of all of their sins. Do you know that all of your sins can be forgiven? Have you made yourself available to God and said, Hey, I'm a person who sins. Would you like to forgive me? You could make yourself available to him and have him forgive all of your sins. And they would never be held against you. He would take your guilt and shame away. It's an incredible, incredible reality. If you're here tonight and you've never done that, avail yourself of this moment. Don't let it pass you by. What happens while Peter is telling the story of Jesus? This is amazing. Verse 44. The Holy Spirit comes on all who are listening to the message. The circumcised believers, the Jews, would come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. <laughs> Apparently, they didn't like Gentiles. Folks, we're Gentiles. Did you know that? Unless you're Jewish, you're going to die. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished to get the Holy Spirit to report out on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. They were excited about what Jesus had done for them. They were worshiping. He had filled them, he baptized them with the Spirit. They were speaking in tongues, and Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water now. They received the Holy Spirit just as we have. I think he's looking at all his Jewish buddies. Surely no one, none of you, can prevent them from getting baptized in water, can you? Apparently not. I think they were shocked that God loved everybody, not just Jews. And sometimes, aren't we shocked at who God loves? All those people quite different from us? And yet he loves them. He loves them. We might not love he loves them. We have to learn to love them. Oh my goodness. So while Peter is talking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes on everybody, just like on the day of Pentecost, the baptized of the Spirit. Oh, they'd already chosen to believe in him. Their hearts are fully open to whatever God wants. So God just pours himself right in. These brand new Gentile believers begin speaking in tongues of praising God. And what does Peter do next? He makes sure that they get baptized in water. And we just heard an announcement about that, didn't we? That is the necessary next step for all of us after we've chosen to believe in Jesus. So I'm excited. We get to have a baptism in the Columbia River. And you will know you were baptized because it's not warm yet. You will know. You will not forget. It's great. We serve a God who not only sets up divine appointments for our relationship, we serve a God who sends his son as a sacrifice for our sins. We serve a God who commands us to get baptized, and now we're inside of the chains that's already happened inside. And we serve a God who brings us into a right relationship with him through his crucified, buried, and resurrected son. 
We serve a God who has done the whole salvation thing for us. All we have to do is accept it. And those of us who accept it, he wants to be overflowing with the Spirit so that we have the power, the courage, the grace to tell our friends and they too can join in with the blessing of God. We serve a God who wants to empower us, each of us with his Holy Spirit so that we can become effective storytellers about Jesus. Once upon a time I was younger. It was a while ago. And I heard about Jesus' salvation and I gave my life to Jesus. I knew all my sins were forgiven and I would never turn back from following him. And then some friends started telling me, well, that's not all my goal. There's more. And I learned that there is always more of God for us. Always more blessings and always more responsibility to bless others. They said, well, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, okay, what is that? And they began to teach me. Two months later, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And an amazing change happened in my life. I want to encourage you, if you've not yet been baptized in the Spirit, to do that. Avail yourself of the opportunity. Because God gives us power. He gives us boldness to tell our friends about Jesus. So what was the result of me being filled up with the Spirit and being baptized? Well, I stood in front of an entire Lutheran church and was able to tell them how real Jesus was and how he changed my life. And heretofore, before that, I was shy. God began changing me to stand up in public. I led my locker partner, Bruce, to Jesus. I led my best friend, Frank, to Jesus. Because this is what the Spirit was encouraging me to do. I want to just ask you a question. Who are you supposed to be leading to Jesus? Because that's what God is doing through you. I felt so much closer to God every time I spoke in tongues, every time I prayed. I was given more boldness and encouragement to help my friends believe in Jesus. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 to our last scripture tonight. It's a little bit farther to the right. There's a bunch of little letters was to a bunch of folks in Ephesus. So Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses uh, just 15 through 18. We'll, we'll close with this. Let's see how we can apply this stuff to our lives. Okay. Be very careful then how you live. Hmm. I have to be careful. I have to be thoughtful how I live. I have to consider what might be wisdom. Yeah. To be somewhat careful. Every now and then careful. No, it just says be very careful. How do you live? Not as unwise, but as wise. And make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Apparently, there's a lot of opportunity that God has for you and for me. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Apparently, we can actually understand the Lord's will. We can understand what it is He wants us to do. It is no big mystery, because He's revealed it to us in the Bible, hasn't He? Read the book. 
And here's just a little tidbit of what his will is in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, why am I closing with this? <laughs> Where did you get that one? Well, I got it from God. Okay. Got it right out of the book. What is Jesus asking us to do uh, in this text regarding applications in our whole message tonight? God wants you and me to live carefully and wisely and use the opportunities that he gives us every single day. So we should stop right now. We should ask ourselves a question. How am I doing using the opportunities the Lord so graciously has given me? Every day he's given you opportunities to love people. Every day. Every day he gives me opportunities to let people know I follow Jesus. We receive a challenge in this text to not be foolish, but understand fully what God's will is and how do we know it. Well, we just read the Bible. The Bible is his will for our lives. Wasn't it nice of him to give us a book full of his will? We have to read his word. Get it into us so we know how to obey it. He is a God who deeply loves you and me. <coughs> he loves you. He's demonstrated that by sending his son Jesus to become a sacrifice for your sins, for my sins, for everybody's sins. We need to wisely receive that love and let it change us from the inside out so that we can become a more loving person. We need to believe Jesus' sacrifice removes all of our sins. We need to get out from under the burden of shame and guilt. Don't let it hold you down. Believe that we're free from it because of what Jesus did. We need to choose to believe right now and to know that all of our sins have been wiped away and that we're clean before God. I'll say it again tonight. If you are not yet a Christ follower, tonight's your night. Just say yes to him. Ask him to forgive your sins. Ask somebody to pray with you and help you understand more how to do that. But if you are already a Christ follower, and I assume most of you are, that's why you're in this room tonight, you still need to know that God loves you and he's forgiven you. And you need to get free and don't let the devil condemn you anymore. You need to get about the business of being loved by God so you can love others. Yeah. You probably need to ask yourself the question, how am I doing reading his words? If that's his will, how am I doing understanding his will? Or am I being foolish and squandering my time by not reading the book? He's a God who gifts us with the baptism of the Spirit. We ought to take this quite seriously and wisely receive this good gift so that we might be more effective in helping our friends come to know Jesus. He is a God who is a God who is a God who loves us. So he orchestrates relationships so that people can hear about Jesus and come to believe in him. We need to let us conduct the orchestra. We need to play our part. 
Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk on wine, where debauchery instead be filled with the Spirit. Did you see the juxtaposition between drunk and filled? Don't be filled with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, be drunk with the Spirit. How are you doing drinking? Are you drinking a lot of Holy Spirit? Don't be controlled by the alcohol. Be controlled by the Spirit. Don't be filled up with alcohol. Be filled up with the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God transform your life instead of the alcohol. I mean, it's a great analogy for calling cancer. <laughs> The Greek verb for be filled is in the present continuous tense. So Paul's saying, don't keep on getting drunk with alcohol. It's, it's basically a call to repentance. Stop doing that. <laughs> Do keep on being <clears throat> filled with the Spirit. Do keep on being drunk with the Spirit. Do keep on being controlled by the Spirit. It's a call to daily uh, see our need to be Spirit-powered, ministry-oriented. Ministry focus. So how are you doing? Receiving the Spirit. Being filled every day. Final application question is, what do I let control me instead of God's Spirit? God wants you and me to repent of those things. Ask Him to forgive us. Could we just spend a minute in silent prayer?